following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Cry, baby, in reality. Uh, you can read about him in his very own book called Jonah in the Old Testament. Um, but in summary, if you haven't read it before, um, Jonah was called by God to go to one of Israel's enemies, the Ninevites. They weren't just neighbors they didn't like. They were enemies. Uh, they were known for their wickedness and their violent ways. Um, and God called Jonah to preach to them, to preach repentance to them. And of course, Jonah, being the faithful, uh, devout prophet of God, said, okay, Lord, you know, no, that's, that's exactly the opposite. Instead of being faithful to the call of God, he went in the total opposite direction. And he boarded a ship that was headed away from Nineveh. And while he was on the ship, a violent storm kicked up. And the sailors, uh, they're, they're all afraid that they're, they're going to die. The ship's going down. And they decided to cast lots to see which one of them God was mad at so they could throw him overboard and make the storm stop. Don't you kind of wish... Like, that's how things worked. You know, things are going really bad. Somebody here, right? <laughs> We're just going to throw you overboard. That's probably me. So, yeah, good times. Uh, so they, they cast lots, and the, the lot fell to Jonah, and they threw him overboard, uh, and the ship was saved. The, the storm ceased, and, and the ship was saved, and all the sailors were saved. Uh, Jonah, however, was swallowed by a great big fish. Uh, and spent three days and three nights in the fish's belly. Um, so here's here is Jonah chapter two. This is just a snapshot of Jonah's time inside a really big fish. This, I love this story. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. You know that word. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters uh, closed over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. You know, spit him up onto dry land would have been fine. I just like it this way better. So what happens next? Jonah clearly learns his lesson, right? He goes to Nineveh and reluctantly preaches repentance to the people. He still doesn't want to. He doesn't want to preach to them. And after he does preach to them, he hopes they don't repent. Now, that's not common in preachers, I'll say. I just hope nobody listens 
to me. I don't know. Jonah preaches the message and then goes up on the hilltop to sulk, waiting for God to punish them for not repenting. He's waiting for fire to rain down from heaven and consume the people of Nineveh. And the the Lord makes a plant grow to give him shade because he's sitting out in the sun and complaining about that. This guy is clearly from New England. He's just complaining about everything, including the weather. The Lord gives him a leaf, like this big leaf. Um, So he gets a little bit of a respite while he's waiting for the fire and brimstone to come. And then a worm eats the leaf and he starts complaining again. And God does not let him get away with that. So again, read the book of Jonah. It's fascinating. So much to Jonah's chagrin, the people repent. They listen to his message and they turn to God in faith. They turn away from their violent, wicked ways and they come to faith in the Lord. Despite Jonah's stupidity, let's just say what it is. He's breaking rule number one and being a jerk. So now there's clearly some differences between Jesus and Jonah, uh, as well as the crowd Jonah preached to and the crowd that Jesus preached to. All right, where Jonah was reluctant, Jesus was willing. All right, where Jonah was a foreigner to the Ninevites, Jesus was a countryman to the Jews. They knew his family. They knew his hometown. But the similarities were that Jonah and Jesus both preached repentance and faith in God. In Matthew's account of this um, account in Luke, in Matthew 12, 39 and 40, says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus' similarities to Jonah uh, didn't have to do with his reluctance to preach or anything like that. It had to do with three days and three nights in the grave. Jonah was as good as dead, and Jesus was actually dead. John Calvin wrote, Having spoken of the Ninevites, Christ takes occasion to show that the scribes and others by whom his doctrine is rejected are worse than the Ninevites were. Ungodly men, he says, who, have, who never had heard a word of the true God, repented at the voice of an unknown and foreign person to them. While this country, which is the sanctuary of heavenly doctrine, hears not the Son of God and the promised Redeemer. Now, there's no record of Jonah telling anyone in Nineveh about his miraculous three-day fish ride. Um, And if he, in fact, did not tell them the story, the Ninevites repented upon his preaching alone. Repent and turn to God. Nothing about the fish. But even if he did tell them about it, Jesus' resurrection from the dead was still a greater miracle. And yet the scribes and Pharisees chose not to believe him. So Jesus tells of the sign of Jonah that just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, that he would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, in Sheol, in Hades, the place of the dead, taking the keys to death and the grave. Jesus tells of the sign of Jonah, meaning his resurrection yet to come. He also mentions the queen of the south in verse 31. 
the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. I don't know if you get freaked out by references like this. Like, who's the queen of the south? The south of what? South, south Paris. South, south what? Well, South Ossipi. Is there a South Ossipi? It kind of, yeah, it might be a thing. This is a reference to an account recorded in 1 Kings chapter 10. And I'll read that for you. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And, he, and she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and very much and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to the king Solomon. A queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, some scholars uh, believe this to be modern day Yemen. Um, that's about a thousand miles away. And she traveled all that way to hear Solomon's wisdom. And in Jesus' day, um, Solomon was like a superhero to the people of Israel. He stood in an almost unearthly glory uh, before the eyes of Jesus' contemporaries. And now, says Jesus, one greater than Solomon is here. Solomon stood as a national hero, and now something greater was right there in front of them. And how did they react? They still rejected him. Where the queen of Sheba had to travel over a thousand miles to hear Solomon's wisdom, Jesus was right there in their midst. They didn't have to go anywhere. He came to them with more wisdom than Solomon could ever imagine. The queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment and condemn those people for rejecting Jesus. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear Solomon's wisdom. She listened to him, but they rejected the one who was greater than Solomon by far. Verse 32 says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Violent heathens repented while God's covenant people hardened their hearts. Gentile queens of the south listened to the word of the Lord. 
while God's chosen people rejected it. Okay, so what? What are we supposed to take away from this? John Calvin wrote, If that nation was convicted of desperate ungodliness for despising Christ while he spoke to them on earth, we are worse than all unbelievers that ever existed if the Son of God, now that he inhabits his sanctuary in heaven and addresses us with a heavenly voice, does not bring us to obey him. We are worse than all unbelievers that ever existed. If the son of God does not bring us to obey him. If we will not soften our hearts to correct our lives according to the word of God, we are worse than all unbelievers that ever existed. Isn't that great news? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, brief and powerful reminder to obey you, to obey your word to read it for ourselves, to know it for ourselves, to write your word on our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, we need your help in this work. We need your Holy Spirit to remind us to pick up our Bibles and read, to get to know you as you have chosen to reveal yourself in your word. May we not neglect the word of God for other much more irrelevant things. Help us not to be distracted, but to be focused on you and our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who does not know Jesus, who has not trusted in him and his atoning work on the cross, that they would turn to you in faith and accept the truth that Jesus died on the cross in their place for their sin. That you would forgive their sins and make them new creatures, wash them white as snow. Lord, again, we thank you for this reminder that obedience is important. And we have to know your word in order to obey it. We love you, Lord. May we prove it by how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 